welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson concludes our series on the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. And now, here's Phil. A guided tour uh, in the mountains of uh, the Andes Mountains and uh, we were uh, on this guided tour we went through uh, a church in Cusco, Peru and the man that was guiding us through it was showing us the furniture that the indigenous people carved under the uh, duress of the Spanish people as he told the story and they were told what to put into the furniture and what they also did was put an imprint of their own, uh, carved uh, their own uh, portraits into the furniture and their own beliefs. Uh, this morning we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and how he imprinted, not under compulsion, apart from the compulsion of God, uh, into the uh, uh, various chapters that we've been working our, our way through. Uh, way before there were digital selfies, there were portraits. Some artists painted self-portraits, others with the means had an artist do one for them. Our focus throughout the book of First Corinthians series has been what Paul wrote about the challenges facing the newly born church. Throughout the letter, the Apostle Paul has given us some pen strokes that paint for us a portrait about himself, some of it intended, some of it perhaps uh, our, our insights into uh, what shows through as the way we see him in his handling uh, of the challenges. We're going to look up this morning at this portrait, not by what he looked like physically, uh, but what he imprinted about himself, carving into the text a bit of his character, a lot of his equipping by God, and a lot of his relational focus and efforts and the tools by which he worked uh, to influence the people of this newborn uh, Christian church. Leadership in the Christian today is as important now as it was for him. This morning, as we move through his self-portrait, we also want to paint a portrait of each of us. We want to, as it were, uh, take a selfie of himself, of ourselves, along the portrait of, of Paul and see how we stack up against his, his example as a leadership uh, person in the building of the church at its inception, uh, given to him. Uh, by the Lord himself. Each uh, brushstroke I have in the sheet is uh, is an adjective meant to summarize what some of the verses say, and I'm just not going to read, I, I don't have time to read all the reference material from which these adjectives come, but as adjectives, I hope they will show a description of him and also some something that we can compare ourselves to in our role within the church he has called us into. Uh, the first one is Paul was equipped. Just a brief review, he was born in Tarsus, a Greek city in the southeastern corner of Asia Minor. Paul was born into a Jewish home there. It is likely that his first language was Greek, and then he was sent by his parents to Jerusalem to further his education in the Jewish faith and culture. And as a learned Pharisee, he learned his second and third languages, uh, scribal Hebrew and Aramaic, I'm not sure which order that was in, and then he learned some Latin as he pursued around his, his uh, efforts around the, the different cities that were under Roman influence. 
We know Paul's story well, that he uh, became a Pharisee, as we just mentioned. He was a devout scholar of the law, shows up in his quotations of the Old Testament law as he influenced the, the people in in uh, Corinthians, and there were many Jewish people there. He was a zealous teacher uh, in his early life. He was a protector of the law. He became a persecutor and even a murderer for his beliefs and upholding of the law. On the road to Damascus, the Lord met him, and Saul became Paul the Christian. In the ensuing period, he was instructed directly by the Lord himself. He makes that point in Galatians where he was there with the Lord and and in quietness studying and the conversion that he had made and uh, received a lot of what he learned directly from the Lord. We'd like to know more about that story, but that's one of the points he makes in this book. So this is his first penstroke in his selfie where he begins in chapter 1 and verse 1. I was called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus uh, by the will of God. We have uh, the equipping of God uh, and uh, the equipping of him as an apostle to the Gentiles. The next personal pen stroke is found in chapter 1 and verse 4 as he begins, I always thank God for you. He does want them to know that he continually thinks of them in care and in prayer. Having let them, having let them know that up front, he seeks to turn their attention not to him, but to the grace of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was this grace that found them, enriched them in every way, equipped them with spiritual gifts to serve, and is preserving them with the strength of hope at the end. Uh, the uh, This approach that Paul takes, we're going to see over and over again, that he starts with a relationship with the people he's speaking to, and then he moves to encourage them in the direction that he would have them uh, take. I thank God for you. Thanking God for each one who has come into the body of Christ, is foundational for us as well in our selfies. We need to be thankful to God for each and every person he puts in our path and and look to God for his sense of purpose uh, in bringing us into that relationship. It's a reminder to be thankful to God in all situations, in every relationship, for all of these are from God and are there uh, for his specific uh, purposes. The next pen stroke that is revealed by Paul is a heart of exhortation. He begins in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, same pattern again, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you will agree with one another. Note that this exhortation is not just a scatter type, uh, often characterized by preachers who assume that everyone they're preaching to in the audience is in this particular situation and has this uh, particular need and... uh, and the exhortation the preacher provides. The Apostle Paul uh, understood, before he wrote anything here, a great deal about the people that were in his path in the church at Corinth. And uh, he knew that this division was was a huge impediment to uh, the church moving forward in the kingdom of God. And so he knows that this must be dealt with. So he starts... Uh, referring them to the Lord Jesus Christ as he makes his appeals to them. He is there, but his appeal, he's trying to move to the people to uh, to look to the Lord, agree with one another, without which they can make no progress on the matters they've raised and the things uh, ahead of them. 
The, the next pen stroke in, in the verses listed is uh, summarized by the word focused. Clearly, Paul was a very gifted man coupled with a very strong work ethic and driven for particular results. From the outset, he worked with a team to do the work of church building, and we see this throughout the, uh, the whole book. But we see that he always turns the attention to the Lord in these verses and away from himself. Uh, he identifies who baptized in the example of that cha- of this chapter various new delete believers to take away the schism notions that uh, some people were using as a basis to choose which leader they would follow rather than uniting and following the Lord Jesus personally and directly in the different affairs of the church. Another uh, focus that comes up by the Apostle Paul in these uh, verses is the uh, preaching Christ crucified, not the wisdom of the world debates. This tool was part of his tactic to bring the divisions away from worldly visions of this leader or that and turn their hearts and minds only to the Lord himself. His uh, his uh, death, his burial, his resurrection that the worldly wisdom had rejected. He was urging them to follow the world, the wisdom rather, of God himself in the way that they viewed all of the other situations before them. Today there are many setups in our culture that can be distractions of this kind. Perhaps it's leadership, as it was then. Perhaps it's the arguments of the wisdom of the world that come in our path and we debate those against all alternate views of what they are. And yes, we have to master those and be be uh, students of those things of the world so that we can present Christ to them in particular situations. But they are not to become divisions and schisms within our church. They are to be, we are to be united around the Lord himself as our leader, as our, as our guide. And we too are to focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, not who we should follow here or there, what new wisdom or facts may distract us from the foundation of our few, of our faith and our, and our future. The next pen stroke in, uh, is what I've called humility and preparation. This one is kind of a muted one. It's almost hidden. It, he picks up these two colors from his palette and here we could often, often list more than one to summarize what we've learned, but there, in this case, I've chosen these two. Preparation and humility. Paul was thoroughly prepared for his coming to Corinth. The first glimpse of of what his preparation was defined as what it was not. It was not preparation for eloquent sermons to show off wisdom that was his and better than their thinking. His preparation was focused on the people, what he understood about their current location on the sanctification path and their needs for the gospel that was founded on what the Lord had taught him. He prepared for his visit to them, not in the wisdom of the world, but in the power of the Spirit of God interpreting to him their real needs uh, when all the facades were stripped away. The next glimpse we have about how he worked with people shows a devoted leader who does not just come alongside them in their difficulties. As always, he begins his relationship to them here as brothers and sisters, and then he pulls something out of his admonition toolbox. His skills are studied and practiced, and, and uh, he is willing to provide blunt challenges as to whether improvement is needed before the Lord to bring them along to maturity in him. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. So he's, loca- he's, he's not being uh, 
hard on them, but he's realistically placing them on the map of their sanctification progress chart, if you like. And he does this in such a way, using this metaphor of babies, to recognize that they have to learn to grow towards maturity. And he does that to to help move them forward. It's good for us in our selfies to look at where we are on the sanctification chart. You may not know what I'm talking about, but it's about our spiritual maturity in Christ. And it should be seen as an upward movement for most of us. It goes a bit like this. Some of us like this. But he, the Lord wants us to be the, on that upward chart, of the, on the path of sanctification, becoming more and more like him and more uh, more of who he wants us to be. The next glimpse we have of uh, him is uh, I've summed up with the word committed, his humble commitment to God's work. He had seen the gracious working of God in his own life, not only at his conversion, but steps along the way as you follow his story throughout the, the uh, whole New Testament scriptures. Uh, he appreciated the other believers who played their particular roles in his own walk on the sanctification path. His philosophy of building up the kingdom was that we are all called and equipped by God to build together with him. He was clear about his calling to be a church builder, and he was reminding them that God's work through him brought them into a solid foundation. He called himself an expert builder, an expert foundation builder. A recognition, of course, Paul always gave to the others who worked with him to move people forward in their Christian walk. We too should be seeing ourselves as part of this sanctification team, this group who follows the Lord passionately to see how where we stand each and every day and how those around us can be helped in, in moving in the directions of a more and more uh, maturity in Christ. The next adjective we have in chapter 4 is faithful. Christian leadership has dimensions to be valued way above common leadership without Christ. In the world, leaders have to be faithful. In Christ, leaders have to be followers and disciples of Christ as they seek to study about him and live for him and serve him. Uh, In in this context, chapter 4 meant being faithful to the Lord, whatever the circumstances, whatever the opposition, whoever the critics might be, uh, these are the things that are of much higher value uh, in life than than uh, alternatives of worldly wisdom and leadership. Uh, Paul's faithful service to the Lord is highlighted uh, by him by his words. This value of knowing clearly what the trust is of our calling and laying aside all that will be in the way of serving Him is a critical learning point for us. We need to be focused. We need to be committed. We need to, we need to be faithful. And these are the things that the Lord himself is looking for us, not to be distracted to the priorities of anything but the uh, but the things that he wants of us. Uh, <clears throat> One of the other things that uh, comes up with Paul in the, in the latter part of chapter 4 is the, uh, the Paul's sensitive to urgency. Leaders have the difficult task of how to balance their reputation of what they want to say about themselves in, in what is being put forward and how they they place themselves in the balance of who we are. Uh, Paul had this, he wasn't afraid to inject himself into the narrative, into the story, into the improvement exhortations. 
and he was not afraid to use things like shame or warning. And that's the warning is the one that is used here. They were willing to follow other guardians, but he warned them in their choice. And here's the delicate part. I am the one who brought you to being a child of God. Why would you not follow the teaching and leadership I bring rather than others claiming to be your guardian? Uh, so he had to, he almost had to insert himself into that authority, authoritative position, but also in his fatherhood, uh, leadership, child-bearing in the spiritual sense in, in God. And, <clears throat> and when he would not be there with them, he would send Timothy, who would remind them of his teaching and his care. Uh, I think it's number 10, uh, I've highlighted uh, as being present. Leaders show up. Leaders come to the situation. Leaders uh, come in the will of the Lord as they come forward. Uh, Ted covered this last week and uh, very well in chapter 16 about Christian planning and what it looks like and uh, really appreciated all that he said there. All of, all of this aspects of being a leader who shows up uh, is in the character of humble submission to the guidance and the wisdom of the Lord in particular situations. And when Christian, when Christian leaders can't come, they move to assure someone is there who can uh, deal with a particular situation, perhaps because of more skill, perhaps of location, and so on. The eleventh pen stroke that Paul puts forward is uh, being responsible, and we can sure see that in the Apostle Paul as we follow his as we followed his map around the world and how he came to Corinth. Uh, he was. Uh, very responsible. And again, from the previous point, he, he was able to lead from afar. How did he do that? He listened to the facts. He sought assurance to others that they are valid. He made a judgment even when he was not there. And he judged with the premises in full view and with the necessary action and hope for results. You need to this, see the story to see what this is what. Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. Leadership for all Christians uh, in the church and in, in, even in our age is, are faced with similar situation. It, not be, it may not be because of physical separation or distance, but it may be a difficulty to discern what the, what the closeness really is, is about, what, there's, what their situation is, what the facts are, who has done what to who, and all of these kinds of things. There are Christians who want to lead need to be able to be responsible in these situations to assure they know that they were dealing with the reality of the situation and make sure that they're not just using platitudes about the situation that are meaningless to the hearer. Uh, number 12, one the thing that stood out to me was that, uh, all about holy living, sanctification, being holy was a theme of Paul's message. He had not lived in holiness in his early life. He knew what he was speaking about, of what was required in the Christian life to be a real disciple of Christ. Uh, it was an extremely important work for him to protect the body of Christ from immorality and sinful behavior. And we went through all of the atrocities of what was going on in the church. He had said things about it. They needed, it needed clarification. He was responsible and moved to clarify what the what he what he meant by what he had said earlier and shows also his humility to admit that he didn't cover it well the first time around. 
By the way, yes, we are covering Paul's strengths. Mostly we're focused on that. Uh, Paul also had weaknesses, and uh, if I had 27 positive points, I would have another X number of things about his weaknesses that he does come through, most by his own admission as well. Some by his uh, clarifications we would like him to make <laughs> about what he what he said. One of the one of the items of the toolboxes of Christian leadership is admonishing number thirteen on your list from chapter six. I say this to shame you. Here we see Paul not afraid again to uh, use a shaming tool uh, for his exhortation efforts and influencing for something better. We ought to have the wisdom to handle this situation, the wisdom that God has previously made available. That was his situation. He uh, he used shame only in the context that he knew what the situation was. And he he said, you guys ought to know better. And they, they were told, they were taught, they were exhorted, they were admonished, and they still didn't get it. So he has to shame them and say, look, you, you guys, uh, in other words, shape up. <laughs> In straight in their modern words, fourteenth one is the the uh, I've put the title aware. Uh, he was always listening for the wisdom and understanding of where people are at. You remember through the book we looked at now concerning the things that they brought forward, and he looked for for <coughs> um, validation of what he was hearing as well from others. Uh, for example, a unity case, and he. He often uses this tool by referencing it to himself and the changes that God made in his life, aware, the necessity to be aware of the situation, and that's a repeat uh, from previous items. One thing about the Apostle Paul, too, was he was very introspective, number 15 from chapter 7, and I've highlighted verses 6, 8, and 12. Christian leadership recognizes the limits of personal experience in areas where they find themselves teaching and exhorting others. I can speak to this uh, just because chapter 7 was one of my chapters I had to teach about, and that is uh, uh, that about marriage. Paul was not married, and he was speaking about things that he was not part of his wheelhouse on a, on a real personal experience basis. Some of us are not familiar with situations, and we dive in head first and uh, take them on even though we really don't have any experience in, in, in that area. I, I think of the grief uh, share program that's going on, and it's so well uh, so well, and so necessary to be done by people who have gone experienced the kind of grief they're speaking to. It's, a, it's critical, and uh, sometimes the Lord allows things in our lives to uh, pass our way in, with a bigger and larger purpose that are not, may not be understood at the time, but where he wants us to experience things for what's how he's going to use us in the future, and that sometimes makes sense of, of what is in the middle of our lives at the particular time. We need to be introspective like the Apostle Paul in these things and be able to uh, really examine ourselves and say, yes, this is one of my strengths, or this is not something I, I should take on uh, by myself. Uh, or even with God's help, I'm not the best one to... To do it, excuse me. <coughs> and number sixteen is uh, uh, the word wise, and we've talked a lot about that in Corinthians. In in this particular context of chapter seven, 
he had a diff, diff, difficult Christian leadership task in all of these dimensions that he was handling in this chapter. But he al- always looks to God's principles uh, for the wisdom that God God has. Uh, I think we've probably said enough on that one for now, for the sake of time. Uh, number 17, uh, chapter 8 and, and chapter 9. Uh, it was all about rights, and several speakers talked about this uh, through the through the book. It is it is so applicable today uh, concerning rights. We have a rights rights focused society. I have the right to this. I'm identified with that, so I have this right. I have that right. And you hear very little in these contexts about responsibility and moving forward. Uh, and we we won't go through examples, but I think we know what uh, is being said here. Uh, and Christian leadership often involves a willingness to lay down our rights. That's what Paul was doing here. He was willing to lay aside the things that he claimed as being the rights of a Christian, but he laid them aside for what purpose? Back to his focus, so that they might be one for Jesus, that they might be one uh, for the faith. And uh, so he was willing to lay down his rights for the sake of advancing others towards their salvation and in their Christian walk, and that comes up several times in the chapters as well. The next one is uh, Paul was divinely astute. A Christian leader doesn't look at things only through the lens of a human perspective. And he says this throughout these readings. Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? Paul was a man of the scriptures. He was a man of the Old Testament scriptures in particular, and he was writing the New Testament scriptures. He is persuading others also to be people of the word of God's word, going to him through his word for the gospel, understanding God's character and purpose, seeking out the values and virtues of the faith, and to look for the eternal perspective. Paul was divinely, divinely astute. He looked at things from God's perspective in, in all ways. So often we jump into the situations as human thinking, words of wisdom, uh, uh, some of his training we've had in other circles. Uh, Paul was uh, uh, Paul was divinely and eternally astute. In uh, number nineteen, Paul continues with the rights he is that he is willing to forgo for higher reasons. Uh, one of the books I've read uh, through several times actually is uh, F. F. Bruce's right book on Paul. And it's entitled, The Apostle of the Heart Set Free. Paul knew how bound he was in his original way of living. The law bounded him. The law enslaved him. But without the benefit of it driving him to know the true and only God and be freed from this old way of living. He was willing to, first of all, he understood his freedoms in Christ. But again, he was willing to uh, forego them. As he said, not, I do not belong to any man. I'm willing to make myself a slave to everyone, Jew or Gentile, to win all to the Lord. He had people chirping away at him because of things he was doing in a Jewish company in the synagogue or with Gentile people in the, in the marketplace and in gatherings. And they were chirping at him because he wasn't doing this or doing that. And he said, I'm doing these things so that I might win all of any stripe, any kind, any distinction, any identification uh, to the Lord. Number 20, uh, purposeful. 
I, I, I like this, uh, this verse. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Anybody watch the Olympics these days at all? Maybe little glimpses here and there. Those athletes, they're going for the gold. They're going there not just beating the air and riding their bicycles aimlessly or jumping off the high, a high tower aimlessly. They ran with training, with equipping, with purpose. And this is kind of what Paul says about himself. It follows directly on his willingness to yield up his rights to the Lord. Uh, and he was willing to do that because of his crisp sense of purpose, both in the short-term context of the tactics of what was before him immediately, but also in the long-term of the prize of his upward call uh, to the presence of the Lord. Uh, in chapter 10, I've highlighted the word trained. He starts in verse 1 of this particular segment, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers. And he's said that several times in the book. It just shows his heart of wanting people to move forward. He often referred to the Old Testament scriptures because some of his audience was Jewish and he uh, helped them bridge the gap between where they were and where they ought to be. And we don't have time to go through all of that, but it's an interesting uh, study. He, he had a very clear judgment of the spiritual need before them and wanted to make them aware uh, of some things that he did from the, the past history uh, of the Jewish nation. I love the one in chapter 10 of the uh, of Apostle Paul where he appeals to the Christians as sensible people. <laughs> uh, and that, of course, before you can do it, implies that you too are sensible. Uh, so that you can judge what is sensible ahead. And Paul was uh, doing that as he as he went on and prepared for the situation uh, before him in the in the chapter in the chapter ten. In chapter eleven, uh, I think we could describe Paul as being exemplary. Here he has this delicate balance of referring to himself and not wanting to bring too much attention to himself, but make the point, and he humbly immediately refers them uh, to the Lord again uh, to get the proper teaching, exhortation, or correction that his main goal uh, goals would, would be satisfied in what he had to say. Verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How many of us would say that? In our own assessment of ourselves, would we put ourselves forward as those following the example of, of Christ. One thing to put this in context, the Apostle Paul was one of the first Christian leaders. He did not have many, much help, a few of the apostles, disciples, to uh, to move forward in these various churches. He was relying a lot on what he learned directly from the Lord in, Gal in the book of Galatians. And he was re referring to him driving it back to Jesus. All of them had seen the Lord, uh, all the other disciples, apostles, and many had seen him and learned from him, or at least secondhand. And uh, he's, he's saying, I have followed Christ. I have learned from him. Please don't be dissuaded by others who would have you fall in some other direction, but follow the example that I am setting of the Lord. And that was in the middle of chapter 11, which is a very... A great chapter also has some difficult parts for us, but Paul was exemplary as he tried to drive everyone in the middle of these things to 
go directly to the Lord for his wisdom and his help and guidance. Chapter 12, I highlighted as being pastoral. He starts in verse 1, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Same words again, but here with a different context. And I call this uh, his pastoral work. Uh, Chapter 12, 13, and 14 was all about spiritual gifts. And we see the deep awareness of the Apostle Paul's uh, understanding the nature of the Christian church, that they are to be, everyone is to be equipped and gifted. They are gifted, wants them to be equipped and active within their sphere of spiritual gifts. And he wants them not to be ignorant of the knowledge of them, but also not to be ignorant of their responsibility to work in such a way. And, and uh, coupled to that is uh, uh, the gift of teaching that he had in laying all of this out for us. And we covered them together in these three chapters. In verse 13, I highlight, in chapter 13, number 25, I highlighted uh, his, his own example of love and the way he spoke to the people about their gifts and their shortcomings and the, his exhortations. And love shines through in everything he said and did, at least from my hearing. And the other part of this one is, uh, I've added to it, uh, prophetic. He there highlighted what it meant to always be working with the, the message from the Lord. What God wants us to say, what God wants us to teach, and pass that on uh, to the others. And he did that so well. And we see it as part of his uh, prioritizing, really, in, in the chapters we took up uh, there about how important it was prior to, to prior, prioritize the gift of prophetic wisdom and its uh, place in the, within the gifts. Number 26, the, uh, the great resurrection chapter. And I put two words beside, beside this. Paul's, Paul was very, wanted everyone to look very spiritually at every situation, but also with the eternal perspective. The hope that we have as Christians is to be a main driving focus of our perspective, our worldview, our, our looking at situations and, and how we are devoted to serving the Lord with, with the future in mind. And for the sake of time, I, I believe that, uh, that Ted highlighted these so well last week, chapter 16. I wrote down three of the things that struck me in his portrait. He was a relational person. He was, he was anxious to be together with Christians in need and that showed through. Uh, he was generous, part of that collections for the saints in Jerusalem and a very gracious man relying on the grace of God uh, to uh, to uh, be the active thing and the priority thing going on with all that he did. Verse 21 of the last chapter, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not have the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And my love to you all in Christ Jesus. He closes the book. Amen. So that closes our study of the series in 1 Corinthians. We're going to turn for a couple of weeks to the Psalms of Ascent uh, by individual speakers and individual songs. You'll see them, Psalms, you'll see that coming up. But let's close with our, with the opening question that we asked. What does my selfie look like in God's eyes? What does it really say about who I truly am as a Christian? What will eternity record about my story of God's love, grace, and truth? Challenge.
indeed for us all. Let's uh, close our meeting and on the last day with a few close our meeting and prayer. Father, we've just sung that we would build your kingdom here, and that was our prayer. And as we've been thinking about the Apostle Paul and his uh, characteristics and his life, how he built your kingdom in his life and in his uh, sphere of influence, so too may we uh, continue on in that building project. And as we do that, we pray that you would just lead us and direct us and uh, give us the strength, wisdom, all the characteristics that uh, Paul had and uh, that we need as a group. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.